Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. up this morning a sermon series that we've been in the last four weeks that we're calling soul care and what we're doing in this series is we're we're realizing that our souls are tired and that we are tired of being tired and that when our souls are fried we lose our ability to connect with God in a deep and meaningful way and so we've been trying to figure out what's it mean what would it look like to take care of our souls and I just got to say um, I knew this was going to be an important series I kind of wrestled with this one for quite a while of how to approach this topic, what to do with it. Um, I knew this was going to be important. I didn't realize how important. Because the feedback that I have gotten from you and those of you who watch online, um, from emails and texts and phone calls and face-to-face visits, the feedback I've gotten from you lets me know that this was a really important conversation that we needed to have. Because you're like me, your soul's tired and it's a little bit fried. And so thank you for the feedback, and if you missed any of these, any of these discussions, any of these conversations the last three weeks, uh, I really encourage you to get on our website, um, watch, you can, you can watch the past services, watch those sermons, you can get the podcast, download that right to your device, and you can listen to, to, this, to these messages, because um, I think there's some important stuff for us to, to, to drag in to our, to our kind of put in, into practice in our lives to make this, make our souls healthier, and I hope that you'll, you'll take advantage of that. Two, we've, we've used, I've tried to use two verses from Scripture throughout this series to kind of set the foundation, to kind of build everything that we're talking about on these couple of verses of Scripture. Um, the first is uh, this beautiful promise of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, you're tired, well, I know you're tired, so take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that's what we're all looking for, is rest for our souls. So we need this. And this beautiful promise of Jesus, that if we will learn from him, if we will let him teach us, we can find rest for our souls. So this series has been for those of us who are tired of having a soul that is always tired. And what I've tried to stress each week in this series is the problem is not that we're just going through a season. Yeah, we have Weeks We have moments of our lives where things maybe are a little busier than other times. But this, this issue of soul care, this is not we're just going through a season. Stop telling yourself that. The problem is that we have adopted as normal, we have accepted as normal a way of doing life in our outer world that is absolutely toxic to our inner world. And it's killing us on the inside, the way we're living our lives, the way we think is a normal way to live. And Jesus says, if you learn from me, I'm going to teach you a better way. And when it is not well with our souls, the consequences are huge. Most importantly, we lose that connection with God. We lose that ability to relate to God in a meaningful way because it is on the soul level where we commune with God. Of all of the creatures, of all of creation, it was only humans that God breathed into to give life. And when he did that, we became a living Soul. No other creature, no other critter walking around your yard or at the zoo can commune with God like we can because we have a soul. 
because we were created in God's image and when it's not well with our souls we lose that connection and then what else happens well when we lose that connection to God then we can't be our best selves we can't be our best the best version of us to our families to our neighbors to our co-workers how can I show the people that I love encouragement how can I show them joy and support when I'm dead on the inside and then because our souls aren't well, we struggle to hold up well under the inevitable stresses of life. Let me be clear. Life is hard for everybody. Life is difficult for everybody. Nobody gets an easy life. But you can't determine how people are going to do in life, whether they're going to thrive or whether they're going to flourish based on the amount of outer pressure that we have. We all have outer pressure. We all have stressors. We all have issues. But some people thrive and some people crash because it wasn't well with their soul. So when your soul is healthy, nothing in the outer world can keep you from surviving and thriving no matter how hard the pressure is on the outside. I think that's why. I think that's why there's a hymn, a song that has resonated so, so importantly for over a hundred years to the people of God. It's the hymn that, that we're going to sing at the end of the service today. The hymn is called, It Is Well With My Soul. Some of you know this old, beautiful old hymn, this old song. Maybe you know the story. Let me, if you don't, let me tell you the story of the hymn. The story, the, the, the hymn was written by a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Spafford was a committed follower of Jesus. He loved Jesus. He was a part of his church, a leader in his church. He and his wife, Anna, had several children. They lived in Chicago. They knew about pain in the outer world. At the age of four, their son, Horatio Jr., died of scarlet fever. The next year was the great Chicago fires. You remember that from history, where they lost a lot of their financial health in that fire. Two years after the fires, their friend, an evangelist, a guy by the name of D.L. Moody, a name some of you might know, was going to go from Chicago to England to preach He's going to hold a series of revivals and church services in England. They thought, hey, let's go and help our friend, our, this evangelist. Let's help take the message of Jesus. So Horatio Spafford put his wife and his four daughters on a ship to cross the Atlantic Ocean. He would join them in England in just a couple of weeks. While crossing the Atlantic, the ship that his family was on was hit by another ship and sank. All four of his daughters perished. In the accident amazingly his wife Anna was rescued she was found unconscious floating on a plank of wood when she arrived to safety she sent a telegram cabled home to Horatio these two haunting words saved alone well Horatio Spafford immediately booked passage to cross the sea to be with his wife to comfort her in England and as the ship sailed across the Atlantic, when they got to the place where the accident had occurred just a few days before, where the ship had sunk, where his daughters had been tragically killed, the ship's captain called to Horatio Spafford and told him, come up, I want you to see, this is the place. This is where it happened. This is where your daughters died. Spafford, looking out over the sea, overwhelmed by the grief 
by the chaos of the recent days, by the longing to be with his wife on the shores in England. Horatio Spafford was, I'm going to use the word, inspired. Went back to his cabin and penned the words to the song that we love. It begins like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, put that in context, he's looking at the ocean where his daughters just perished. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Why do we love that song? Why, why does it resonate so deeply within us? I think it's because there's something in us that wants to believe that it's possible to live like that, to live that way. That no matter how hard life gets on the outside, no matter how tough things are, that it can stay well with my soul. Well, I believe that it is possible. And the reason that I believe it's possible is because I don't believe that Jesus made any empty promises. Jesus said, if you would learn from me, you can find rest for your soul because he does not make empty promises. It must be possible to live life with a full soul. And that leads me to the prayer that I've been praying, and it's the second verse that's kind of been the foundation for this series. This is 3 John, verse 2, where John writes to his church, to his friends, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. As your pastor, this is the one prayer I wish I could pray over you more than any other. That I would like to pray for you that everything in your life, every other part of your life is going as well as your soul is going. That every part of your life, your finances, your family, your marriage, your work situation, your, your relationships, your ability to communicate, all of the things were as healthy as your soul is healthy. I said when we started this series, I know we need it. I know we need this series, and I knew that most, if not all of you, were going to agree with me, that we need this health for our souls. We need to talk about this. Our souls are tired. All of, I knew all of you would agree with me, but I also knew that only a small percentage of us, I won't just put you on the spot here, a small percentage of us would make the hard, courageous decisions to change the way we're doing life in order to take care of our souls. Here's the thing. Just listening to four sermons is not going to change anything. It's only when we have the courage to actually evaluate and change the way we're doing life. And when we pursue the lifestyle of Jesus that we will eventually be able to have the life of Jesus. So let me close this series with some more suggestions some things that we can do to improve the health of our souls. If you, if you take the time to look up the word soul in, the, in scriptures, if you look up every verse in the Bible that has the word soul in it, you'll begin to notice several themes that, revolve, that, that, that appear again and again and again around the word soul in scripture. And that's what I'm building these suggestions off of. The first one is this. We need to fill our eyes and our ears with beauty. If we're going to take care of our souls, we need to fill our eyes and our ears with beauties. Our soul must be nourished to be healthy. 
And one of the ways that God feeds our soul, one of the ways that God's nur God nourishes our soul is through the wonder and the majesty of his creation. However, we've normalized a way of life that keeps us so busy that we don't enjoy this, this, this buffet that he provides for us every day. Now, take a look at this picture. All right. This guy is on a boat in the middle of the ocean looking at his phone while a whale is jumping beside his boat. He does not see the whale because he's looking at his phone. I don't know what he's looking at on that phone, but nothing on that phone would have blessed his soul like what God was doing literally right beside him. Remember what David said in Psalm 23? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Pay attention to that. When David's soul got fried, God didn't take David to church. He didn't take David to the tabernacle. He took David on a walk. He took him on a walk through creation. You see, God put your body in a creation that is perfectly designed to refresh your soul. And the fact that this world is saturated with so much beauty should let us know that God thinks it's something that we need to flourish. Because think about this. Beauty does not have to exist. There is no Darwinian explanation for all of the beauty in the world that serves no utilitarian function. It only exists to bring us to life. There's no reason that some of these things exist, but they do. For, for instance, just think about why, why can your eyes see so many colors? Whether it's the birds flying around your neighborhood or the flowers in your garden or the stars in the sky or the beauty of a sunset, we could survive, humans. We could survive if all, of our, all our eyes saw were just shades of gray and black and white. We would be okay. We would be able to make it. So why do our eyes see so many colors? Why can we taste so many different flavors? God could have designed you so that all you eat is bland food that fuels the machine, right? But God designed you to with, with taste buds that can experience thousands of different flavors. And, and our ears. We don't just hear a monotone sound. We hear notes. And those notes can be assembled into collections that we call music. And we can hear the beauty of music. Think about this. Sorry for the little ears in the room, but why is sex between a husband and wife not just functional, but also pleasurable? It didn't have to be that way. God could have designed our bodies to simply reproduce. But God intentionally designed sex to be delightful. Don't believe me? Read the Old Testament book of Song of Solomon. It's in the Bible. You know, th th there's a species of spiders that after these spiders mate, the female spider eats the male spider. I think that would take some of the fun out of it. <laughs> Most guys I know would still sign up for it, but I think it would take some of the fun out of it. But God put us in this world that is just full of delight. 
beauty that has no utilitarian purpose except to make our souls happy. This world is filled with beauty and wonder and majesty and whimsy. You know why? You, you know why? Because all of creation is pointing our souls back to God. The psalmist writes, Psalm 103, Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So let me just ask, what is your soul's diet like? What do you spend most of your time watching with your eyes and listening to with your ears? And is it nourishing your soul? And if not, maybe you should give God's menu a try and fill your eyes and ears with beauty. Listen to some music and go for a walk in the woods. Here's the second suggestion I have for you today. Again, based on where, where, where I see the word soul showing up again and again in Scripture, we need to fill our lips with thanksgiving and praise. Fill your lips with thanksgiving and praise. Scripture indicates that we can command our souls. In other words, we, we can tell our souls what to do. Your soul does not have to wait until it feels like it to do something. You can tell your soul what to do. The soul can make the choice to rejoice. One of the songs that we sing around here from time to time has this line in it. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. You are, when you sing that, and that's right from Scripture, by the way, when you sing that, when you read that, you are telling your soul what to do. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. By the way, God's people have been singing songs like that for millennia. Psalm 103, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Psalm 146, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. There are few things that are more toxic to your soul than a spirit of entitlement. You know, when you sit around and you whine because life isn't fair and life is hard and you deserve this and you should have done that, but you didn't. And, but when you, when you cultivate an attitude of gratitude, you are preventing current circumstances in the outer world from robbing you of the rest that you need in your inner world. It's one of the reasons why Paul tells the Thessalonian church to rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He didn't say give thanks for all circumstances, but you can give thanks in all circumstances. You don't always get to choose your problems, but you do always get to choose your response. So take care of your soul by taking time to praise God in it, even if you can't praise God for it. Here's something I've tried to started trying to incorporate in my life just in the last few months. I try to start every day with some thanksgiving. So every morning, before I even get out of bed, laying there half awake, eyes all droopy, hair smashed, you know, I was just looking horrible. I will lay in the bed for a few minutes before I get out of bed and thank God. I don't ask for anything. I don't pray for you. I don't pray for my kids. I just thank God. Just, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds just to thank God. That's how I want to begin my day is with thanksgiving. Here's what God has taught me through this. I used to think that, that a grateful spirit was a person that received a blessing, noticed the blessing, and then thanked God for it. 
So here's what God's teaching me. God's teaching me that a grateful spirit is a person that thanks God and then notices the blessing. In other words, when I cultivate a thankful heart, I begin to see blessings all around me that I had been missing for years. When peace, like a river, attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, what a line. And so when you praise God, whatever your lot, you're doing your soul a lot of good. Here's number three. Fill your mind with truth. We need to remember that our souls have a sworn enemy. And the enemy is a compulsive liar. I, I don't know anyone who sets out to destroy their souls. None of you wake up every day and you go, today I'm going to live my life. I can't wait to live my life in such a way that I'm going to hurt my soul. I'm going to fry myself. But every damaged, weak soul I know is living out of a lie that they often do not recognize. And there's a reason. But let me try to explain it with this illustration. Some of you are old enough to remember that back in 1982, there was a conflict between Argentina and Great Britain over some islands in the Atlantic called the Falklands. You, some of you remember that. The picture I've got here is this of the, of the HMS Sheffield, a British warship, and the picture is of the Sheffield after it has been struck by a torpedo and is sinking, and 20 sailors are going to die in this accident. It sunk by, it wasn't a torpedo, a missile. The missile had come from an Argentinian jet. Here's the irony. Miles away, the Sheffield saw the missile coming towards it. They could have knocked, this ship could have knocked the missile out of the sky, but they didn't. Here's why. The missile was an Exocet missile. I am probably not saying that right. I don't do Army. Okay, the Exocet missile... The missile was made in France. The Argentinians bought the, the, the weapon from the French. The English computer, when it recognized the missile, said, oh, that's from France. France is our friend. That's a friendly missile. There's an oxymoron for you, right? <laughs> a friendly missile. It's no threat. They didn't pay attention to it. 20 sailors died. Your enemy wants you to live on lies. But he doesn't want you to think that they're lies. So he puts these thoughts in your head, and it sounds like you saying them. And it sounds friendly. So when you're in a season where your soul is worn out, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, Stop and ask yourself, is what I've been thinking a lot lately actually true? I think this is one reason why any serious plan for taking care of our souls, for, for creating a healthier soul, any plan for soul care has to include time in God's Word. It has to, because at least I know that's true. Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul 
Psalm 119 says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. I'm just going to tell you, one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves is that if I can just succeed in the outer world, if I can just score in the outer world, that will fix my inner world. So I'm going to grind a little bit more. And I'm going to work a little bit harder. I'm going to push a little bit deeper. And something that I'm going to keep fighting for and working for, something that is going to disappoint. I mentioned the name Dallas Willard to you last week. Great writer and thinker about discipleship. Dallas Willard tells a story about a dog track down in Florida. So they got these dog tracks down there, and then you go and you bet on the dogs, you know, which dog's going to win the race. And the way these things work is they line the dogs up in, in, a, in a gate, and they press go, and they open the gate, and there's this little electronic rabbit, little mechanical rabbit. His name's Lucky. I'm not making that up. The rabbit's name is Lucky. And the guy comes on the PA center and goes, here comes Lucky. And they ping, the, the bells ring, and the doors open. And these dogs start, if you wonder how I know so much about this, don't, don't, don't worry about that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Mom, if you're watching, I have no idea. I just, I just read this. Okay. So, so here comes Lucky, and the boom, the little mechanical rabbit runs, goes down the thing, and the dog, they chase the dog, and they're all, it's kind of exciting to watch. Well, Dallas Wheeler tells a story about this one time. Here comes Lucky. There goes the mechanical rabbit. There goes the dogs. And the mechanical rabbit broke. It stopped right in the middle of the track. And so all of a sudden, all these dogs are like, we got it. And they stop. And the dogs didn't know what to do. And they barked. And they jumped up and down, totally confused, looking around as if to say, you got to be kidding me. My whole life, I've been chasing this stupid thing, and this, this is all it was? It wasn't even a real rabbit? The point is, that's what so many of us are doing with our lives. We are wearing out our souls trying to catch something that isn't going to satisfy. Because you are a living soul. You are breathed into by the living God. And nothing, nothing out there it's, it's going, nothing out there is going to fill the part of your life that only God can fill. Years ago, centuries ago, the great church father Augustine said, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So you must speak truth to yourself every day, and you must let other people speak truth to you as well. Some of you will know the name Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler is a professional golfer. He's pretty good. <laughs> he won the Masters not this past April, but the April before. Which, if you don't know golf, the Masters is about the biggest, most important golf tournament on the planet. So go back to the Masters of 2022. Scotty Scheffler wakes up on the morning of the last day of the Masters, and he has the lead. He is winning the tournament with 18 holes left to play. He has never won a major golf tournament before. He's won golf tournament, never a major before. And he admits on that Sunday morning when he woke up, he was so nervous that he did not think he was going to be able to play. That's how nervous he was. And then he says, that's when my wife spoke some truth to me. He tells the story at the awards ceremony after, the, after he wins the tournament, few, several hours later. He says this. 
The reason why I play golf is I'm trying to glorify God in all that he has done in my life. So for me, my identity isn't a golf score. Like my wife Meredith told me this morning, listen to what she says to him. Like my wife Meredith told me this morning, if you win this golf tournament today, if you lose this tournament by 10 shots, if you never win another golf tournament, I'm still going to love you. You're still going to be the same person. Jesus loves you, and nothing can change that. She spoke some truth to his soul. And you need that too. You need people in your life to speak truth to your soul. You need, your kids need people in their lives besides just you who will speak truth to their lives. Fill your mind with truth. And let me tell you, as your pastor, here's one lie that I think has disturbed more souls than any other. I cannot tell you how many times I've spoken with someone who says something along the lines of, I, I just don't think God could love me. Oh yeah, he can love everybody else, but there's no way he could love me. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. There's no way God could love me, and that's why the last and maybe the most important thing that we must do is we must fill our hearts with the gospel. The gospel is just a way to say the good news of Jesus, the, the, the message of Jesus. Every soul needs to hear the gospel every day. You can never preach the news of Jesus to yourself too much. One of my favorite reminders of this in Scripture is Romans chapter 8, which says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? God is for us. Would you say those words out loud with me? It's in yellow up there. So say that out loud with me. God is for us. Think about this. God, the eternal one, the creator of all that you are and all that you see, God almighty, is not was not might be not maybe not could have been god almighty is god is for he's not neutral he's not waiting for you to get it all together god is for us not some of us not the best of us not only when we're having our best day god is for us and god loves you so much this verse says that he was willing to give his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life my sin oh the bliss of this glorious thought my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and i bear it no more praise the lord Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That's one of the reasons why as a church we take communion every week. If our community team will go ahead and get ready and go ahead and start serving us, hold on to those emblems as they come by. I know that little piece of bread, that little cup of juice can 
it can be trivialized. I know some people just, just go through the motions every week when we do this. I know some people don't really think about it every week. But some of us, some of us every week, we take that bread and that cup and it is soul food. We remember our identity. We remember our eternity. We remember that God is really for us. I remember verses like Isaiah 61 verse 10 that says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God because he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. And when the enemy tries to lie to me and unsettle my soul, I remember that my sin is forgiven. I remember that God is for us. I remember that my destiny is eternity with him. I love the story back before cell phones and GPS and all that stuff we rely on today. A guy's out in the Midwest, salesman, he's, he's driving and he's lost on some country road. He sees a farmer out on a tractor in a field, so he flags the farmer down and, and he says, hey, hey buddy, if, 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 if I stay on this road, will I get to St. Louis? The farmer goes, I don't know. Well, will I get to Kansas City? I don't know. All right, man. Well, what big town, if I stay on this road, what big town will I get to? Farmer says, I don't know. Now the guy's just really frustrated, so he kind of starts to yell at the farmer, well, you don't know very much, do you? And the farmer says, well, I know I ain't lost. Scripture says we have this anchor for our soul. That even when we feel lost, we come around this table. We eat this bread, we drink of this cup. And it reminds us. It reminds us that nothing out there can change this reality. That God is for us. That my sins are forgiven. That God loves me. Despite who I am. What I've done. He loves me. And my destiny. And my eternity is fellowship with him. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, as he meets in this room with his disciples to celebrate Passover, Jesus takes some bread. He breaks it and passes it to his disciples and he says to them and he says to us, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then Jesus took a cup prayed over it and passed it to them and said take and drink for this is the blood of the new covenant the new arrangement the new communication between God and people this is for the forgiveness of sins the body and the blood of Christ for the people of Christ the last verse of that hymn says this and Lord haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, 
the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. Church, this, this series of sermons is over, but it's not done. It's waiting to be done. So do whatever you must do, whatever it takes to take care of your soul. It's the most important thing that God has asked you to manage. And when Jesus returns, may he see, may he say, oh, I see it. It is well with your soul.